Hey, it's your pal Mike Trey from SlyFlourish.com here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This is a weekly show shot 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Times in which I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running a homebrew Eberron game called Eberron the Second Morning. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish at patreon.com slash slyflourish. If you become a patron of Sly Flourish, you get access to a lot of different interesting things. You get a... Uh, free adventure called Regnum Rattus, The Rats in the Cellar. You get access to a bunch of Sly Flourish's adventure generators. These are uh, adve inspiring adventure uh, uh, inspiring adventure generators. These are inspiring um, sets of lists that are focused around a particular theme like Seven Samurai or Jaws or Heart of Darkness, uh, things like that. I have a city generator that's coming out to help people generate a uh, quickly generate a city. Uh, we also have Sly Flourish's Uncovered Secrets. These are one-page supplements that you can add to your own uh, Lazy DM workbook that help you uh, make that helps make it easier to run D&D games. So it's things like running hordes or easier encounter building advice and uh, guidelines. One of the things I'm working on now are, are uh, enhanced guidelines for theater of the mind, things like that. So uh, patrons of Sly Flourish get access to all of that stuff. Uh, and as well, uh, they help support the show. Most importantly, they help support the show, help pay for the equipment and the bandwidth and the websites and all of the other administrative costs that it takes to keep Sly Flourish running. So for those of you who are patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you very much. One last thing for the patrons of Sly Flourish is you have access to an exclusive Sly Flourish Patreon uh, channel in the Sly Flourish Discord server. So you can go there and you can chat with me and you can chat with all the other patrons that are there. And uh, that's also where I post a lot of experimental stuff. So if you're interested in things that I'm working on, I hope you are, I am. I'm interested in things that I work on. Uh, you can go there and you can see what I'm working on and you get previews of a lot of this stuff uh, that's going on and help get to influence it too because I, I seek a lot of feedback there as well. So, um, yeah. Uh, so we are getting, I would say we're like two thirds to three fourths of the way through. We're probably further now, probably three fourths of the way through this campaign. I expect to end the campaign in the next couple of months. But because it's a homebrew, I really don't know, right? And I'm... And I, I leave a lot of things fuzzy in the future. Like, I don't really know what's going on. And we could talk about that today because it's like Car Shack, the train. So uh, let me give up for, for those who are new. Uh, I'll give a very quick summary of this campaign. Uh, multiple factions in Eberron are trying to either acquire or stop the acquisition of the, the weapon of the morning. So something happened that destroyed Sire and turned it into the Mornland, an entire region of the world was basically, you know, wiped off the face of the planet and a weapon, some kind of weapon was used to do that. Nobody knows what the weapon was. Nobody really knows exactly where it happened or exactly what happened to cause it, right? Because it was in the center of this thing and that center went, 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 you know, blew up. In Eberron, that is an open question. Like if you read the published adventure, they specifically do not define what the weapon was or who did it or why. That is up to a group to decide. And I said, wouldn't it be fun to do a campaign about that? So I wanted to do a Raiders of the Lost Ark style campaign where the Ark of the Covenant is the weapon and you're trying to acquire it and a bunch of people are trying to get it. We have one central villain in this campaign who is an Oni named Leto Skal, who was an, originally an agent of the Droam, the, the daughters of Sora Kal, uh, run the monstrous empire known as the Droam. And, she, and he was an agent of the Droam and he went to Sharn. They bankrolled him to become an, a, a high roller in Sharn, to become an, a, 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 like practically a, a noble in Sharn. And he did, and he took their money, and then he cut them off. And he wants the weapon too. He also joined the Orem. The Orem took, took him in as a member, mostly because of the money that he was bankrolled. 
And the Orem wanted him to seek out the weapon, but he doesn't even work for them. He really works for himself. He's a very opportunistic. He is Belloc from Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? He'll work for anybody because I don't care about the Nazis. I just want the Ark, right? Like you guys are with me. So he's kind of like Belloc. And he's been a great, I thought he might be dead by now, right? But he's not. I don't know what's going to happen. So um, uh, they've been following him around. And they really, I have two groups that are doing this campaign and both of them really hate him. And he survives because he's very crafty, right? And I think it's very fun to not have any idea of what happens to him, right? This is a, a key to how these campaigns go is I put him in place and we see where it goes. We do not, I did not expect that he would survive or die at any given point. Expect to be dead by the end, but maybe not, right? Maybe he's their friend. Like, wouldn't it be funny if he turns around and he's like, oh man, boy, did I make a mistake. Guys, can you help me out? All right, but they'll probably kill him anyway. I don't think that at this point they're not going to kill him. He's done a lot of terrible stuff. So the campaign had them uh, for a long time in Sharn kind of deconstructing his goals. Uh, and then he fled. And in this group, my Sunday group, he was flying in a military airship with a huge dragon shard. And they blew up they they managed to blow up the ship and they dropped the shard and the shard exploded and built a huge crater in the middle of the middle of nowhere and the and, and the party was like blown from theirs and they were landed on the side of a cliff and everything like that so they spent a bunch of time underground they got out of from underground and ended up in thrain in thrain they found out that an agent of leto skull was working to try to find the location where the morning took place a place that they knew was known as claw rift in the in a place known as, in, a, in a city known as making uh, that has now become the glass plateau after the after the destruction. Uh, the agent's name is um, uh, uh, Imperi de Falarn. I never I don't know if I have the name right. Imperi de Falarn is her name. She is a spy, and the characters have been hunting her down and found out that she went through an underground cavern beneath a keep uh, that had been gifted to pacifist warforged veterans of the last war. They let her through. Uh, and then she ended up in Eston, the city of Eston, which is a ruined city that was basically uh, a, a massive headquarters for House Kenneth. And Eston has turned into a complete horror show of twisted mechanical nightmares. And so the characters followed her to Eston. They found out that she was bringing a thing known as a docent, which is like a very powerful warforged symbiote intelligence thing that you can sort of attach to yourselves. Uh, she was bringing this as an offering to a being known as Karshak. They didn't know what Karshak is, uh, but Karshak is a very powerful entity in Eston, still alive, that supposedly knows where making the city of making is and where the glass plateau and the and the and the and the and, the, and claw rift is. So the characters want to try to get there because they also know that Leto Skull is on his way there and he has now reunited with the Daughters of Sorokal and they want to get there. So they, they want to try to stop this from happening. And uh, anyway, so Imperi was going to bring the docent to Karshak, but she was waylaid by werewolf warforged, creatures that are half warforged, half werewolf. Um... And they are, they're known as the Black Tusks. And the Black Tusks grabbed her and took her into the lair where the lead one, a, a huge Warforged werewolf titan known as, uh, known as Black Tusk, uh, was trying to figure out how to use the docent. He wanted it, but he can't figure it out. So the party has been making their way in there to stop them. Uh, and that is where uh, our last session ended. They, start, they, they just fought a whole bunch of Warforged werewolves. They defeated some Warforged mammoths and werewolves 
and now they are heading into to face Black Tusk. Uh, in secret, this is actually um, a playtest of a fantastic lair that I am running. Uh, one of the fantastic lairs is called um, Curse of Black Ice, and it's about a, a werewolf uh, frost giant. And um, it's been really cool to play test it. It's an eighth level lair and uh, uh, it's going to be a good time. So yeah, so that's where the last session ended. Uh, I've had people ask, uh, hey, how did your notes work out? So let's take a look at the old notes. We'll go to the old adventures. Um, we're going to look at old adventures. So go here and it would have been on the 18th, right? That sounds right. Let's see how we did. So we started off with the God Drums playing. They went to the Theater of the Greys. They met Abelard of the Greys. These are a group of people that are hanging out. They rested there and then they made their way. I don't think anything real. They learned a bunch of stuff, but I don't think anything real crazy happened when they were with Abelard. Uh, they went to the Lair of the Black Tusks. Um, so how many of these? Silas Dickeneth taught Vincent Dickeneth how to build Warforge. Oh yeah, so this is something that hasn't yet come out. They have not yet gone to the tower where... Um, uh, uh, one of the characters, uh, uh, shift was built by a very powerful artificer of house Kenneth known as Silas, who still resides in a tower inside Eston known as uh, skyfall tower. Uh, so a lot of these secrets are still good. Silas taught Vincent Dickeneth how to build Warforged during the last war. I, I don't know if that's known. Silas is one of the four best artificers that wasn't known. Silas continued to build fantastic tower horrible machines called skyfall tower. Many machines of war still exist in the tunnels and caches beneath Eston. So a lot of these I did not reveal. Uh, Silas built Karshak, but Karshak has evolved. No, that didn't come out because they didn't talk to Silas. So a lot of these didn't happen. Karshak was one of two such constructs, the other being Mycenta. I think they might have figured this out. I'm going to keep it open, though, because it's an important one. Karshak and Mycenta were mates. Karshak has fallen into depression since Mycenta destroyed herself, themselves. Uh, Black Tusk is in horrible pain from his half-constructed form. He hopes the docent will end that pain. Uh, a lot of these secrets didn't happen. Uh, you know why? Because it was a bunch of fights, and you don't tend to learn secrets during a fight. Imperator de Falarin had hoped to gain access to the Making Glass Petro through Karshak by offering the docent. All of these secrets are still in play. I think I might just steal these today. Uh, Imperator de Falarin was fooled into thinking Leto Skull is going to prevent the nations from creating another weapon of mourning. That they did learn. Um, the Daughters of Sarakal are finding a way to uh, to making the Glass Petro through pro prophecy and experimentation. These are so good, these secrets, and I used so few of them last time that I'm going to steal them and do what I don't recommend you do, which is just copy them over from one week to another. I'm breaking my own rules. So uh, this is, by the way, is a notion. I know people tend to ask like, hey, what are you using? Well, the answer is notion. And uh, if you do, in, if you're in Twitch chat, you can do exclamation mark notion and it will tell you all about it. So reuse secrets. Coleman says reuse. I know there's a, there's a temptation to do it. I generally don't recommend it because I think it's important to recycle in your head, not on paper. I'm cheating and doing it today. So I generate a new session temp template. And we go to 25. Sunday Eberron. And I'm going to go here. Boop. We will still review them again. Uh, this one we can get rid of because that one is known. And I might add some other secrets. We'll see. But for now, you know, I just took the hardest part of prep and I just copied it from last week. Now, the reason I did that is because like last week, a lot of secrets were not revealed. Nearly all of them were not revealed because they went right into fighting stuff. So, and the fights were long, big fights because we're playtesting a lair and that means I use a battle map and all sorts of stuff. 
Learn when to ignore the rules. Right. First rule of Sly Flourish is learn when to ignore Sly Flourish rules. We were just talking about that, right? That like one of the chapters of Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, you know, the, the last chapter in the book is make it your own, right? And you know, develop your own style, right? And I said, we said a lot of stuff here, but the reality is, I, I even say it in here, like, look, the science, all the surveys I did did not necessarily all point to the things I have in this book. So keep in mind, lots of people have different. I said, Matt Mercer, Dungeon Master for Critical Role, stated that he spends more than three hours prepping for each session. So, you know, lazy prep is not always for everybody. Um, so, yes, roll your own. And and I am stealing them. And I feel bad about it. But I'm doing it anyway. Um, so the strong start. Boy, this is easy. Black Tusk, right? Uh, that's easy. I'm, I should review the characters. So let's go. Let's go review the characters. I don't know why I resist reviewing the characters. I think it's not. It's not the one you want to jump to. Like you know, right off the bat, you just want to jump right into creating stuff. That's an interesting thing to explore. Why? Why do I not like reviewing the characters? It's not that I don't like it. I just I don't feel the drive to review the characters. But it's always useful. Uh, so for our Sunday game, we have six characters. I think they're all here today. I don't think anybody said they weren't going to be here. We have Zarentir Delander, who is a, um, Dragonmark member of House Delander, a storm, storm sorcerer, uh, storm marked. He likes all the storm stuff. He can maximize lightning bolts, which is pretty great. Great for wiping people out. Um, and he lost his father's airship. Not a lot going on there. He did meet his cousin in, in, um, Arldusk. Uh, but I don't know if, um, I don't know if uh, we have a lot kind of driving his character here. Uh, there could be because he's a storm sorcerer and, and I think he might be one of the ones to explore how Karshak was made, uh, which is something my other group learned a lot about. Uh, we have Saber, who is a bounty hunter, um, uh, four winds bounty hunter. One of the things that he knows is that like, and I, I think this is probably a secret, uh, a secret worth putting in. I'm going to open up another copy of the notebook so I can go back and forth. Um, and we're going to put this secret up front. Uh, I'll just stick it right here. Um, which is that uh, according, according to the Four Winds Shifter Monks, beings like um, the Black Tusks are abominations. Even among lycanthropies they're abominations like some you know they were they shouldn't exist and the fact is that house kenneth um used the fact that werewolves are immune to non-magical weapons to turn them into terrible machines of war that caused them great pain so there's a secret um shift a lot of secrets about shift that i that i copied over because uh shift's grandfather of sorts uh, Shift is a Warforged, one of the first Warforged ever made. Uh, part human, part Warforged. Uh, she has a heart made out of kyber crystal. Uh, she was a joint construct between um, Karnath, the nation of Karnath, the undead nation of Karnath, and uh, House Kenneth and Breland. And her brother was too. <clears throat> um, and uh, her grandfather, one of her creators is Silas, and Silas built her here. Um, she, so this is actually, you know, uh, Skyfall Tower is where she was created. Now, whether they go there to visit him, I don't know. That could be interesting. Banner is a veteran of the last war, follower of the becoming God. 
uh, he just met the other monks of the Becoming God uh, who are pacifists, and he couldn't understand pacifism. It didn't make any sense to him. But he's like, you know, he was kind of like, oh, that's really interesting. Can they become something else? That actually became, to, uh, as a spoiler, the fact that they had met Warforged, who had changed their lives around, and that a Warforged Titan had read poetry was what my other group used to convince Karshak not to kill himself and them when they wrote on Karshak. So that was a really interesting thing. I don't know if the other group will figure that out uh, or, or make it that way. That was, that kind of came about. Shane Husk is a um, novelist, uh, best-selling novelist, writer about the last war, uh, hobgoblin uh, wizard. And um, yeah, lots of people like his books. And he's here for the adventures and to learn more about what's going on. Uh, and then we have Arwen Shi Sizu, who is a um, dragon-marked member of House uh, Civis, possessor of the dodecahedron that has the location to, um, actually has her father's personality in it uh, that can be put into the, um, uh, that can be put into the docent. So that'll be interesting too. So lots of interesting stuff here. You know, lots of interesting hooks for the characters. And a lot of it could lead to, like, how do they get access to uh, Karshak, right? Uh, Karshak, the massive warforged. Well, yeah, I should probably spend a few minutes talking about who the hell Karshak is. Um, so we'll get to there. So Strong Starts. Do I have an extra line break here? I do not. Um, so Strong Start is they're fighting Black Tusk. So that works. Uh, if you want to see what that looks like, we'll go to our, our owlbear. Uh, I talked about... Albert Rodeo um, last time. If you want a lightweight virtual tabletop that costs nothing, um, that costs nothing, uh, Albert Rodeo is a great one. So this is the map for this lair. Uh, our party just ended up here. This is after they fought the Warforged Mammoths and stuff. And now they're going to make their way around into this final chamber and face Black Claw or Black Black Tusk. Um, so if you want a VTT, a lightweight VTT, uh, I highly recommend. Um, uh, I highly recommend Albert Rodeo. It is a lightweight. You don't even need an account. You can share it to your players without them having an account. And it's it's tokens on a map, uh, which is which I find is exactly what I want. Tokens on a map, but not much else. Here's an example of like the the mammoth, right? Yeah, big ass charging mammoth, but the mammoth's dead, so we'll just drop the mammoth off. Um, so I think in here, uh, I need to have, I want to make some tokens. Uh, so we're going to go to token, token maker. I always forget, token stamp is the name of the site. Token stamp is a great place to go make tokens. And I need, uh, we're going to get a picture of a Warforged. I want one of a, this guy looks pretty awesome. Um, let's see, Warforged Juggernaut. Let's get a picture of a, uh, a Warforged Juggernaut. That's pretty badass. That's pretty badass. Uh, I want something really mean looking. They have Titans. That one looks pretty good. So we're gonna we're gonna grab this guy, uh, save image as, save it to my desktop, uh, and we go into token stamp and we say, choose image, go to my desktop, drop that guy in, 
I'm going to zoom way in. And we have ourselves a uh, token. Let me say download. And we go to Albert, and we go down to the bottom. Or, guys, yeah, you can add a token, and we say uh, import. Where do you import? I guess right here. And oh, where did the, I must have gone to my download folder? There it is. Done. So now I've got a new Warforge token, right? And we can zoom way in, but he's big. So we go bang, bang. He's a big Warforge. He's chunky. Um, I will probably not put him on here quite yet. But then I also need a werewolf version of that. Um, and I think for fun, I might use the actual picture. Uh, let's see. I need to go to my other browser so that you guys don't see my secret links. Uh, and we're going to pull art. That's actually from um, um, Curse of Black Ice. And we will download that. It's not going to work too perfectly, but it'll probably work well enough. So then we go back to Token Stamp, and we say choose an image. And we grab our Curse of Black Ice art. This is the actual artwork that we're gonna use from the uh, from the thing. Let's see, it still needs to be bigger. And that will be his transformed uh, nature. And we're gonna change the border tint, make it icy blue. Good enough. And we say download. Boop, that downloaded. And then we go back here and we Upload a new one, and now we've got a two tokens. So we have them in Warforge form. We have them in Werewolf form because he, he changes halfway through. Um, that will work. That's good enough. Uh, so yeah. So the beginning of the um, the beginning of this. Sorry, I got this window that's not working well, and I don't think I'm quite shrunken enough that'll do uh albert rodeo but my group likes to control their own tokens so you can anybody can control um i haven't tried illuminant games gtove uh looks like a free to use yeah i'm sure there are others i haven't seen it uh characters can control their own tokens on albert they can actually control anyone's token which is the tricky bit so they can move they can you know you will get people that accidentally move around their token for someone else but I find that to be uh, what's easy about it is you don't need an account, right? You can just you can just add a URL and people can jump right into it. Um, so uh, yeah, so it sounds like uh, both of these do the similar thing, which is um, yeah. So yeah, um, Illuminant Games, G uh, G Tove G Tove uh, sounds like another one. Yeah, so I think, you know, I'm not I'm not saying Albert Rodeo is the only one in the world and you should never use anything else because obviously a lot of people love Roll20 and that's great too. So, um, and I'm sure it's a lightweight one, but boy, I like it and it's worked really well on all my platforms. So I'm, I'm now good. I've got a tool I like. Um, so that, so they're going to fight this one. Uh, the trick with this one is it's a two-part fight. They fight him in his Warforged form and then when they knock him down to a certain level, he transforms into his werewolf form 
And uh, that's going to be tough. I've run this battle once before, and it was hard. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Uh, will it work on phones? Yes, you can see it on phones. I've had a player who was on a phone, and he used, he used it on a phone, and it worked. So what happens after they're done? It's probably going to take about half the session for the fight. I would, I would not be out. I mean, it's a big boss fight. So I expect it's going to take some time. Then after that, let's go back to our uh, game notes here. Um, so that scene wise, uh, then they, uh, so the fight with the Black Tusk is going to be one scene. The next one, they might go to Skyfall Tower. Um, they, uh, you know, they might have another, let's see, after their fight with Black Tusk, uh, Another random Eston encounter. Maybe actually meeting the um, uh, meeting the children of the God Drums would be fun. Uh, they go to Skyfall Tower, maybe, um, and then they uh, probably go to the um, they go to Karshak's Crash. Uh, Karshak's Crash. And here we go, Skyfall Tower. Random Eston encounter. Uh, Black Tusk, Lair of Black Tusk. And then Karshak. So, uh, Interesting sort of cheat here is I have scenes and I also have locations and they're really the same thing. So I can, I can, you know, shorten up my notes and put scene slash locations and then get rid of this section. Um, because I really don't need all that because, you know, my scenes and my locations are kind of the same thing. Really, I have more scenes, but I'm not nitpicking specific scenes. I am, um, I'm not making nitpicking specific scenes. I am uh, setting up areas where those scenes are going to occur, and then I can improvise them when they happen. So um, uh, this is my template. Nixel says, tune in late. Is this your template? Yes. And if you bang on Notion, you get the links and all that. Um, what else do we have? So let's go back to my notes. So NPCs. Uh, so Silas... Uh, could be an NPC they run. Oh, Imperi is a uh, uh, somebody they run into. Um, first chosen of the you know of the God Drums uh, could be fun. Um, it could be interesting that she was first chosen because she's the only one that survived the confrontation with Karshak at the crash, where she brought an offering and Karshak cut her arm off with a disintegration ray and she survived instead of dying. And that made her first first chosen when everyone else who's tried to approach Karshak has been disintegrated. Um, that could be an interesting secret. Why don't we stick that up here? Uh, whoops. Um, uh, 
First chosen of the Godrums became such when Karshak cut her arm off instead of killing her with his disintegration ray. Right? Uh, so that could be fun. That could be fun. Um, Nixel says, or is mind control? He doesn't need to mind control. So the, the, the key to Kar So let's talk about Karshak. Who the hell is Karshak? Why don't we jump to Karshak? Uh, for those who have been following the uh, show, um, Karshak is a direct... i got to close my door for spoilers. Uh, Kar now my cats are going to knock on the door. Uh, Karshak is a direct ripoff of Blaine the Mono from the book Wastelands by Stephen King uh, from the Dark Tower series. And uh, Karshak is a... Uh, super powerful Warforge, like maybe one of the most powerful Warforge that was created. Well, probably in the, certainly in the top 10. Um, and there were two, Karshak and Mycenta. Yeah, we got that Karshak baby. Um, so, um, tin roof, rusted. So Karshak has a mate named Mycenta and the two of them were happily in service of House Kenneth and uh, of, um, Sire, uh, transporting people, super, very, very smart artificers and scientists and workers, as well as equipment and magical, magical technology from two cities, uh, Eston on the West coast and Metro on the East coast. And, uh, they roared in on these lightning rails that sort of defied space and time, uh, they could sort of tear across the countryside and moved really, really quickly, but you couldn't follow the rail. Like the, the, if you tried to follow the rail with, you know, the rail kind of moves as Karshak moves it. So it's a weird lightning rail. It got even weirder after the war. Um, then the morning happened and both of the trains uh, continued to operate, but they, they kind of, you know, they, they lost their sense of purpose and they also kind of blamed themselves for the morning. And, you know, I believe that they are just, we were these weapons of war that are no longer there, that no longer are needed. My sense of killed themselves, uh, ran themselves off into like a valley and destroyed themselves. And, but Karshak still remains and Karshak is right on the verge of killing themselves too. So, um, uh, man, I like Terror Train by Demons and Wizards more. Oh yeah, that's the... Terror Train is the, uh, uh, the 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 black metal version of the story of uh, Blaine the Mono. So, um, so Karshak, yeah, so Karshak is very powerful. Karshak's personality can actually leave the train and go into other Warforged too. So it kind of sees what's going around the city and it controls a lot of things that are going on in the city, including a lot of caches of very powerful weapons that still exist underneath Eston. Um, and, um, yeah. And then, so I, because I've, my other group has already made it to Karshak. So I had to actually map out what's inside Karshak. We'll probably talk more about that, uh, next week when they actually get to Karshak. Um, so he's a, he's a, right. He's a Warforged train. Yeah. It's easy. He's a very, very powerful, very angry Warforged train. He doesn't transform. He is only a train, but his personality can go into other devices. So he can he can move himself into other Warforged things. He can sort of transfer his personality in other Warforged bodies if he needs to. Um, but he doesn't really want to. He actually wants to die. So he wants, you know, his brain sits in the first, in the second car of, of the train and he's going to cut himself off from Eston as soon as he leaves Eston with the characters in tow. 
Uh, and his goal is like, I want to die, but it may not. And, and actually the other group convinced him that, no, you have a greater life. And then he said, well, my Senta's personality is still out there. If you find it for me, I'll give you what you want. And then they can go on hunt for my Senta's personality. It could be another side quest that, that they go on inside the Mornland. Um, I think we can hide these backlinks. So yeah, so that's the story of Karshak. And, and I'll tell you, I ran Karshak for the first time in my Wednesday game last week. And I was nervous about it. And it actually went really well. The, the, the players really enjoyed it. The Wednesday game's a harder group because it's on a weeknight after work. Everybody's kind of tired. Everybody's sort of, you know, it's, it, it, I think the, one, the, 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 the Saturday and Sunday, middle of the day, everybody's still got a lot of energy. But on, on Wednesday nights, like the great players, and I absolutely adore them, right? But it's, it's, it's sort of harder to get everybody into it and into the story because like you know, a lot's happened during the day, right? So, um. Yeah, so it's a little tricky. So we'll see how, it, but it went really well for them. They loved it. So I think like if they loved it, then I think um, I think it can work out. A trick with Karshak and a trick with this whole plot line of like, they get the docent, they bring it to Karshak. Karshak lets them into the crash. First time anybody's been in the crash in 10 years. They go inside the crash. They get on the train. Train seals up. Train goes roaring off. Esten blows up behind them because um, Karshak's like, you know, he wants to show them, hey, I don't care about you. But also I'm burning my bridge, literally burning my bridge behind me. Um, because the only way is forward and, and forward is into the ground and you guys are coming with me. And, um, uh, the, the, uh, I had, I had a point that I was talking about there, but now I lost the train of thought. So, um, damn, there's something really important about that. I was going to mention, now I can't remember, can't remember what it was. So it worked really well. Uh, oh yeah. So the key was when you put the characters on a literal railroad, when you're literally railroading the characters, how do you make that not suck, right? Where it's like, well, you guys are going to sit in your seats and drive around and you maybe have hard conversations with the car shack, right? And it was like, well, how do you do all three pillars on a train, right? So how can you have combat and exploration and role-playing and make them options for the characters? So it can't be like car shack's suicidal and very angry and homicidal, Um you know, you might have to fight your way to the front car like Snowpiercer, right? And then stop the train. That could be an option. Another option is you could kind of talk to Karshak and figure out what's going on and convince Karshak to your way of thinking. That could happen too. And another way would be maybe we like we have to explore our way there. So we like fight our way there or we, we you know, we sort of sneaker fight sneak and talk right are kind of the three if you want to think about the pillars and specific things fight fight and sneaking and talking are, are kind of the three sneak is you know it could be a few things it's fight explore and talk um so each car is not a dimension they're just train cars they're real train cars in fact i have the list of the cars here i, I wrote them all down so this is from back to front so the the rear car the caboose of the car is a war car it's a huge car armored with big guns on it and spellforged weapons that can blow airships out of the sky. It's, it's the thing, very, very powerful car that's built just to, for, for the protection of the train during wartime back during the last war. The next car up is large storage. This is where it had stored dragon shards. There might be other things there, but I don't really know what, probably like maybe a warforged vehicle of some sort. I don't know. The next one up are cryo tanks that have frozen artificers in there where he froze sort of artificer clones that are still there that are mostly destroyed, but maybe one of them is still around. He, he tried to destroy it. He thought he destroyed them all. Karshak did, but he didn't. And there's still one left that's in there. Um, Maintenance and internal storage. This is where um, they have a lot of frozen foods. They have, this is where the maintenance cars go. This is where there's a, there's a, uh, a servant 
uh, Warforged that's on the train, um, and the servant Warforged on the train uh, operates from this the, from this uh, area, and this is where like they have you know when they had passengers, this is how they would be fed and everything like that. Then you have a second class cabin where all the workers went. Uh, they kind of packed them in kind of tightly. Um, and that's where they would shuttle workers there. There's probably a couple of second class. Um, there's two second class cabins. There are three first class cabins, a first class dining car, a sleeping cabin, and a day cabin. The interesting thing about these places is Karshak can actually um, telepathically project the outside in. So there are no windows because it's a big armored train, but uh, he can he can remove the walls and you can see out over the Mornland. You're hundred you know 150 feet up above the Mornland and you can see the wreckage of the Mornland and terrible twisted creatures that are fighting each other. All the stuff from Wasteland, um, and it's the first class day cabin where the where Karshak lets the characters in. The next one up is a construct car. This is where um, uh, Karshak keeps the you know eight or ten Warforged bodies that he uses to operate outside of the train. They can operate independently or he can he can telepathically project himself into them. Um, and this is like if they fight their way forward, they're going to have to fight their way through a bunch of Warforged that are going to stop them. The next car is Karshak's brain. Uh, that is the, you know, it's like the, in, in the internal head of a Warforged, right? And it's got all kinds of crazy artificer technology and like, a, uh, you know, ossuaries and all sorts of weird stuff going on in there. Um, that make up his brain. And then the next one is the actual engine of the of the train, which is actually a manifest portal. It is a ancient manifest portal uh, that is a bridge between Kithri, the churning chaos, and this world. And the, the, the chaotic energies, they can open up the portal and that's sort of like, you know, pulling the rods out of a nuclear reactor. Energy pours out of this thing and then gets flooded into the rest of the, the train to drive it forward. And, you know, they can actually destroy that portal and it'll blow up the whole train. And actually, Karshak's plan is to ram this into making and it will cause the equivalent of a nuclear blast in making and take out half the city. But it'll kill all the characters too and it'll kill the train. So <coughs> so that is the, those are the cars of Karshak. And I, I wrote those out last week for my other group because I wanted to know like what is Karshak actually made of and that, and that worked out really well. So lots of options for exploring. Certainly lots of options for role-playing uh, and options for fighting as well. Um, one thing I did for my other group that I'll probably do with this group too is that after Karshak blows up Eston, an airship with um, Warforge from the um, Lord of Blades is going to race over and a bunch of Lord of Blades guys are going to drop on the ship and Karshak's going to say, hey, I want to see what you guys can do. Go up on the roof and take care of these guys. I'll slow down so you don't go immediately flying off into nothing. And they climb up and they have an, a battle on the top of a, of a moving train which is very Eberron. And in fact, I'm just stealing this, this scene, um, you know, the, the picture of the Warforged dropping on the lightning rail. Normally you look at that and you think that's gotta be one of the characters. In my case, the characters are the ones defending from the airship full of Warforged. So kind of a fun way to, to take that scene. So that's Karshak in a nutshell. And uh, so the other location that could come up, um, how am I on time? I got 20 minutes left. So uh, the other location that might come up is uh, I've lost all my windows. There we go. Um, is uh, Skyfall Tower. So I have a I have a location for this too. I'll go search here. Skyfall. 
So Skyfall Tower, I took the map from uh, the Lazy Dungeon Master's workbook, which has a tower in it, and I think it works pretty well for this. Um, so one of the things I talked about on, um, I'm, I have an article on uh, Monday about it. Hang on a second, I got a cough. Horse, nothing worse than that. <clears throat> so, um, one of the things that I think is really useful for filling out locations is coming up with a list of 10 things, right? And, and I have an article on Monday about this, about like, just list 10 things, like the value of listing 10 things. And it's like, when you have a city, what are 10 monuments that might occur in the city? I did this for Eston. Let's pull up Eston real quick. If I go to locations and I go to Eston, um, open a new page and we'll close the backlinks. I don't need all those. So when I came up with Eston, I, I grabbed a map from Dyson Logos of a city that was close enough that it'll work. And I wrote down 10 things. Uh, I wrote down 10 places. And the 10 places in Eston, for example, I just want to have like an evocative name. So the places were the Tombs, Karshak's Crash, Skyfall Tower, Theater of the Greys, Dungeon of the Children, House Kenneth, Lair of Black Tusks, Lair of the Black Tusks, the Factory, the Yard, and the Worship of Blades, right? And... I just wanted to put a bunch of places out there that the party could explore if they wanted to. And then I had certain hooks that drew people. So there's definitely hooks for Skyfall Tower. Theater of the Grays is a good place to rest. House Kenneth is probably, you know, you could explore it, but you're not going to really find anything there. Lair of Black Tusks is where they were headed. And then Karshak's Crash. But there were like, so there's like five locations I expected them to go to. And then they started in one. And there's about four locations that are also there. And like, hey, do you want to go there? I don't think so. Do we want to go there? I don't think so. So I don't even have anything. So like the Worship of Blades. I know that there's a ship that came here where uh, a bunch of Lord of Blades guys are trying to, you know, dig into this place. Um, and they're going to die when Karshak blows the city up. So, um, yeah, so having that list of 10 places, and I didn't fill all these out. Like, I, I really know nothing about, I, I, nothing other than in my head, I have a little idea about the factory, the Worship of Blades, House Kenneth, the Tombs, Dungeon of the Children. Like, I know kind of what's there but I didn't fill it out. And then like I have certain places like Skyfall Tower and the Lair of Black Tusks and Karshak's Crash where I'm like, they are going to go there. Now I need another list of 10 places. So when I go to like Skyfall Tower, um, do I have a link to Skyfall Tower? Uh, I don't. The other thing I did here is I have 10 monuments in the city. So when they're walking around, what are 10 things I might see? And I said, Slain Warforged, Crucified Greys, War, War Machine, Beautiful Living Spell, uh, Clockwork Parade, Molten Pool, Statue of the Founder of House Kenneth, uh, Still Gor uh, Gargantuan Gorgon, uh, Living Scrying Spell, and a Crash Sky Coach, right? And then I have Encounters, Flock of Razoring Birds, Pack of Warforged Wolves, Followers of the Lord of Blades, Black Tusk, you know, all sorts of stuff. So the list of 10 things are like a real good way. They're, they're a fun mental exercise, right? Thinking of like, what are 10 encounters that parties the party could run into while, on, uh, while in Eston, right? I came up with 12, but 10 works. And you don't put more than a couple words, right? I don't fill it out with big ass paragraphs of stuff. I just come up with a few things. Same thing with like, what are 10 monuments? So every time the characters go from one place to another, I can drop a monument in between them, right? And I can describe, like they find a big sunken molten pool. And what does that mean? They learn another secret from it, right? Or a living scrying spell, weird stuff that they see. You know, it could be a lot of fun. So that listing 10 things is a great way to fill out like a city. In this case, it's a ruined city, but you can do the same thing with a, with a, like a populated city. I'll probably do the same thing when I go to, um, making, right. That making will have, uh, 10 interesting things about it. This, this destroyed, 
you know, ruined uh, fortified city where the weapon was. Could be really cool. So I have the same thing for, um, doo -doo -doo. let's go to our notes. Uh, I have the same thing for Skyfall Tower. I was like, okay, well, they might go there. They did, my other group did go there. So I knew when, when they were walking in the front door, I'm like, I gotta have something on the other side. Luckily they walked into the front door at the end of a session. So I was able to say, okay, what's gonna be in there? And I said, let me come up with, you know, uh, 10 places. I, in this case, I took the map from Fantastic Layers. Great, beautiful map. Um, this was done by Elven Tower. Yeah, I think it's Elven Tower map. It looks very much like an Elven Tower map. Beautiful map. And uh, it has 12 rooms in it, right? It has five level, four-ish levels, plus a sub-level, and 12 locations. And I said, okay, instead of using the default descriptions of these rooms that are in the Lazy DM workbook, I'm going to make it an Artificer's Tower. So what does it have here? So it's got a lot of, like, Warforged Golems and Warforged Maintenance Kitchens, and it's got, you know, uh, deconstructed and a museum and a library and a bedchamber and the laboratory and personality pool, dimensional vault, astral or ori. So it's got a lot of stuff in here if they want to explore it. My other group didn't explore it that much, right? They just dealt with him and then left. Um, so, uh, you know, could be lots of, lots of interesting things that you can do um, in a place like this. Uh, and I just came up with a quick description of what's there uh, to fill it out. So... It's an easy way, like that idea of like grab a map, annotate the map with, you know, come up with like 10 locations. If you're doing a city, I really like the mix of 10 locations the characters might go to, 10 monuments they might they might pass by while traveling through the city, and 10 encounters that they might they might run into when they're walking through it. And those encounters are not combat encounters. They are any kind of encounter. They could be combat encounter, but they're really like, you know, you run into a group of the Lord of Blades. Like, ooh, maybe that's combat, maybe not. Probably, but maybe not. Right. So who could say? Um, uh, Internet Fed says Theater of the Grays is a fantastic name as someone who is who's in theater. I had a good chuckle over that one. Yeah, yeah, fun, fun time. Uh, so yeah, so that's kind of where things are. Uh, let's see, is there anything else in my notes I need? No, monster wise, I just have Black Tusk. I think that's going to be it for fighting. You know. Uh, treasure, that treasure is a good one. We should spend a little bit of time on treasure. Let's see, I can modify this because this is, I use the same template for both groups and this is my other group. So I don't need that in my template for my uh, scratch pad. My, I keep a scratch pad of like the marching order and the initiative thing that I paste into Avre to run initiative for me. Um, so let's look at the characters and see like who's due for magic items. Um, I don't think anybody's really due uh let's go here let's go to my sunday characters and let's take a look at them uh if you're on twitch i think you can actually pull up their character sheets uh so this is um uh zarin tier uh and we're specifically going to look at uh equipment wanda magic missiles um so I think they have a couple of those. Uh, what are these? They're like common magic items. Um, so he's probably due. He's due for something. Uh, what could he get? So Zarentir, something. I'm going to put that in my notes here, right? So treasure. Uh, something for Zarentir. Um 
Zarantir could use something. Saber is good. Saber just got fancy bracers of armor. Um, shift. Um, uh, I think shift is due for a rod of... Uh, we were talking about this last week, I think. Yeah, shift really doesn't have anything. Man, I've been skimping on magic items. She has an AC of 15. She really needs a higher AC. Uh, I think, a, uh, can she wear? Uh, uh, so studded leather. So like a suit of studded leather plus two would, would work. That's built for shift. So maybe we'll put that. That might be something that... Um, That would be something that, um, and maybe it does a thing. What'd be a cool warlocky thing that Silas could gift to her? Um, she's primarily a blaster. She doesn't mind going invisible. Uh, we could just look up relic abilities. So let's go to quick links and let's look at random other random generators and we'll look at uh, Eberron relics. Aid, Forbidden's Heal, Dissonant Whispers, Path Without Trace, Moonbeam, Fireball, Commune, Mordenkainen's Disintegrate, Alter Self. Alter Self is pretty good. What is all? Let's look at Alter Self. Uh, um, dismiss. She might already be able to do this. Uh, Alter Self is a second level spell, less an hour. Um, that's a really good one. I think Alter Self would be good. Studded Leather Armor with... Uh, that does Alter Self daily. That would be a good... That'd be definitely something cool. Um, <clears throat> uh, let's look at the other characters. Uh, Banner, I think, is pretty solid. He's got like a pair of magic weapons... Uh, he gets artifacts from our artificer. He has an AC of 22. Um, Lightbringer and Nightbringer. So he has two different weapons. Um, and full plate. And a mithril chain shield. So um, uh, I don't know what else uh, he might like. So a, I'll, I'll tell you another fun magic item uh, that they might use would be a... Um, Figurine of Wondrous Power uh, that builds a Warforged thing. I don't know which one, so I'll, I'll, maybe I'll roll random for it, randomly for it at the time. Uh, who reads chat? Um, oh, I read chat. Why? Did somebody say something? Sorry. Uh, if they kill Karshak, they get the crystal that allows to control a Warforged shell. Um... I do give items that level. No, not really. I, I typically don't. But my games don't go on so long that they 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 level. Um, yeah, I think alter self is cooler than disguise self, right? Uh, uh, it's a fifteenth level invocation. Invocation. But I don't think that she. You know, um, I don't think that uh, we're going to get to fifteenth level in this campaign. 
I think those are probably three good pieces of treasure. Uh, but yeah, let's take while we're while we're here, and since we have the time, let's look at the other characters too. So Banner, I think, is relatively solid. Uh, Shane Husk. Uh, let's take a look at Shane. Uh, he always has one of the coolest backgrounds. Um, he has lack. <laughs> Uh, so he's got a couple. He's got armor of necrotic resistance, studded leather armor of necrotic resistance, cloak of protection. He's got a lot of stuff. He's doing. He's doing just fine. Clift goblinoid stone. He's so he's been keeping track of the. Um, uh, he's been keeping track of the. He's already fully attuned as well, um, of the single use items too. So he's got a lot. His AC seventeen is not crazy, but he's got lots of ways to boost it. He's got lots of shenanigans, as he likes to say. So I think Shane is okay with magic items. And then Chi. Chi's an artificer. They have their, they make their magic items. Um, but I think Chi already has some stuff too. Let's take a look at equipment. Uh, rope of climbing. Maybe not. Um, AC is 17. It's kind of like, what, what are good magic items for artificers? What's a cool artificer item? Um... You know that that's that's a uh, that's something I want to figure out. Like, what good magic item? I mean, obviously, like armor is good. Uh, what is what are they wearing for armor? Or is she wearing for armor? She's wearing a chain shirt, so you could always do like elven chain or something like that. Um, uh, you could also do a shield, but they oftentimes they give the shield over to their, you know. Um, what is their intelligence? Uh, intelligence is 17. So you could theoretically give an, uh, uh, um, headband of intellect would knock them up. That, that's not, that's not a bad thing. Um, yeah, we'll throw that in the treasure list. Why not? It would suck. Like if you were a humanoid that gave up a headband of intellect, it'd be like getting a lobotomy. It would kind of suck. So there's treasure. So that that feels good. I feel like I'm I feel like I've got a good list of potential treasure to throw it to. I don't know exactly where. I mean, they could get some of it from Silas. Um I think the figurine of wondrous power might be something good for um I have something for Zarentir. That's not useful. Um Uh Yeah, I don't know. I gotta think of something for Zarentir. Let's go back and look at Zarentir. I don't wanna just dump that, but I don't know exactly what it is. So Zarentir. And we go to here and we're looking this up. Uh equipment. Yeah, really. It has a wand of magic missiles, but that's not that's not very much. <laughs> like the airship, except he lost it. It blew up. Um, a wand of the war mage isn't so bad. An item that gives an instant long rest once per month. Yeah, you never know. That that could. I can, um, even though it's only once per month and it's hard to track the month, like, oh, how long has it been, right? I don't know how long we've been on this train. 
usually daily is when I when I fire things up. Um, a wand of the war mage would help potentially a couple of characters. So I, I, I'm not sure that that's a bad a bad magic item. Um, so I'll throw that in there. Plus one. Plus one wand of the war mage. Yeah, so that feels good. Uh, how are we on time? We got about five minutes left. So what else do we have here? Oh, I just closed the window. I didn't mean to close. Oh my God. I can't believe I did that. Oh, that was bad. Now what do, now what do I got going on there? Dude. Oh, that was so terrible. I can't believe I did that. I don't even know what's being broadcast. So let me go back here. Wow, that's that's not right. It's a good thing I'm not showing anything weird on that one. Uh, there we go. I closed the window that was being broadcast on Twitch and that really screwed things up. There we go. Um, yeah, so my notes feel good. I mean, obviously, I'll tell you, like when you're running a fight, it, things are things are easy. Um, you know, things things. You know, it's a lot easier to prep for your game when you know you have a big ass fight because you're like, oh, I'm gonna get like, you know, that's like an hour and a half game instead of a three hour game. Uh, my games are three hours long. I think that changes also my approach towards uh, towards games, uh, which is minor short. So like, it's a, a little easier for me to prep when I'm not running a four hour game. And I, I expect most people are running a four-hour game, so so that that kind of needs to be taken into consideration. Um, weapon of spell storing. You can always have a ring of spell storing. Uh, think about the ring of spell storing. Is it's better off being given to someone who isn't a caster because anybody can fire the ring. Um, is there any other interesting topics in the world of D and D? going on these days uh tasha's is coming out uh i'm interested to see that i had heard so one of the things that had me concerned was that um D, D beyond had mentioned nothing about tasha's right there's no pre-order for it there's no discussion of it but i did hear adam bradford say i i, I didn't hear it but i had heard that adam bradford said that they are tooling D, &D beyond to handle the changes that are coming in tasha's so that was a good sign and roll 20 posted a thing recently uh, and it was kind of buried down in the lead. It was a press release I got a couple days ago or yesterday, I think. I don't know. And in the press release, it said um, that they are uh, going to be fully up to date, including Tasha's. So that makes it sound like they have opened up, um, uh, that they are expecting to get Tasha's in digital digital play. I thought, like, what a train wreck it would be if for some reason Tasha's was not available on D&D Beyond or Roll20. But it was weird that not, neither group have been talking about it at all. Like, what is up with that? Like, normally they want to promote these things like crazy. So D&D uh, Zealot says, I read your Twitter about Theater of the Mind games. Do you ever do Theater of the Mind via Roll20? No. Um, and... Because Roll20, in my opinion, is almost specifically designed. I mean, there, I guess there are people who do, and there's a lot of stuff going on in Roll20 for campaign, for running campaigns that aren't. But as a guy who doesn't use Roll20 a lot, I don't know why I would use Roll20 if I wasn't, if I was doing Theater of the Mind, if that makes sense, right? That like, 
it's so heavily wrapped around the grid. I think the expectation would be you're going to use the grid. Now, I do think that there's a really good way to use Roll20 for abstract combat where you have sort of a, a, an overall placemat and you move tokens around without using um, grid gridded distances. I think that that works fine. And I've heard people do that and I've seen people do that. So like it'd be like if you were running 13th age on in D&D Beyond you would or in uh, roll 20 you probably wouldn't use the grid you would just say that there's things that are close to you and there are things that are far and there are things that are grouped so but yeah i don't i don't I, so i don't use roll 20 that much at all um i own a lot of books on it and i've used it on occasion and i will i will use it from time to time i find it really heavy and i find it you know i that that is definitely one where i feel like i'm 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 working the tools more than I'm playing the game. And that kind of bugs me. You know, that's why I like to use tools. I, I really like to have things that are that are as easy as possible. Before I started this recording, I was talking on Twitch about um, the, the kinds of tools that I like for D&D, and I use the word tools universally, are the ones that I can use in my head. I like... I like little tricks that I can keep in my head that let me that make it easier for me to run D and D. And examples are like, what are the you know good tricks for running theater of the mind uh, are helpful. Good tricks for running hordes are helpful. Good tricks for um, balancing encounters or, or understanding if an encounter is potentially deadly. The ones that I can keep in my head and use are great. If I can, I would love. And, and fifth edition doesn't really lend itself to this, which is unfortunate. But boy, wouldn't it be great if you could build a stat block in your head? at any level. So if somebody said you want to have a level 17 creature and you're like, you know, hang on. And then you're like, yeah, I got one in my head, right? Like I know how many attacks it has. I know how much damage those attacks do. I know what its armor class is. I know what its primary stats are, right? Imagine if you could do that in your head, that would be pretty awesome. Um, you can't really do it. You can get pretty close though, right? There's a few, there's a few things you could do. There's a few tricks. Like I can generally figure out hit points, you know? There's a few things I could do that are like that, but it's a little, it's a little tough. Um, so I really like to have those, you know, I like to be able to have the things in my head to improvise. Now you can improvise a lot of an NPC as long as it's not in combat. And then if it's in combat, then you need at least a chart, right? You need a little, a little charter tool that can, that can tell you one of, um, one of the uncovered secrets, uh, that I offer on my Patreon, um, that I, I don't think I've added it to the main document. I've still been toying with it is a chart for building a monster at any level. Um, and, and it tells you like, here's its armor class and here's its hit points. And you can even have elites and legendaries at a certain level. Um, so yeah. Uh, rogue grata says, uh, rogue, rogue, non grata, rogue non grata says, uh, all about the landing page and occasional thematic images. So long as they don't get too detailed with players trying to leverage facets about this random image I Googled. Yeah. So, um, I, I know a lot of people that use landing, really fancy landing pages for their games and that, that can work really well too. So, um, yeah, so I think we're all set. I've got my notes. I'm happy with where things look. I feel prepared for my game. I think it's going to be a good time. And, um, yeah, and we'll see where things go. You never, never know how things are going to turn out. So I want to thank everybody for coming today. Uh, have a great day and um, uh, have a good week. I'll see you next Sunday and have, uh, have a good time and uh, get out there and play some D&D. &D.